0: Why have you forsaken me? Just right off the bat, it's kind of a an interesting thing. I would read about this, <clears throat> didn't realize it. So I went to school. Do you have any idea why the why the soldiers thought that he was crying out to Elijah? The the uh, I didn't. So don't feel bad if you. Aloy, <laughs> Aloia. Aloi. In, in, in the original language, there's only one letter between Aloi, you know, my God, and Elijah. So, so he would have been on the cross, and the soldiers would have been any distance if he was saying Eloi, it would have sounded, they probably mistook him as crying out to Elijah that he, he wasn't. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But, but the words are so close. You know, that's just, I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing that that's probably why the soldiers believed he was crying out to Elijah because he, that's something that Jesus would not have done. You know, Jesus, he cried out to one. He cried out to the Father. That's, what he did, that's exactly what he did on the cross. That was just kind of a trivial, that wasn't part of the lesson, but I thought that was interesting when I read that a couple years ago. Okay. It says that Jesus prepared for the Passover meal. You realize uh, what we call the Last Supper. That that was a Passover meal. It, it was it was a meal prepared at the same time that the they were preparing for Passover, and he was the he was the ultimate Passover lamb. So the Passover lamb was actually having his last Passover meal here on earth. So while he was preparing for the Passover meal, he did not stop teaching and showing his followers how to live. Describe this act of service Jesus offered his disciples, and how did they respond? What What did he do at the Passover meal that that showed examples of love and service? He washed their feet. <clears throat> you no, know, we've talked about that. What? Why is that so significant? That was slave work. You know, so and I'll only bring this back up again because it's part of the session. I know I've talked about this recently. But the king of the universe lowered himself to the lowest position he could have in his time and context to wash their feet. That was, that was the lowest slave's work. And then he even took it a step farther. He was explaining that unless you've washed the feet of others, you know that you need to do this to be part. of And that's why some churches actually still do it. I, I believe that the message is more that you have to serve others to be part of others. You know, I don't I don't I don't believe that foot washing is is one of the sacraments, you know, like some churches believe. But but he, he is clearly saying that at the very least in, in order to to be like him or to be part of of the lives of others, we have to be servants. You know, Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate example of servant leadership. You know, and and interestingly enough, people who don't even believe in Jesus look at the things that he did when they study leadership, and they look at the things he said when it comes to mental health. You, you know, that was he. He's Jesus' teachings reference forgiveness is is talked about in, in the mental health world. You, you know, it's it's not as much as it used to be. But but even people who don't recognize Christ for who he is recognizes the value of even the things that he said and the things that he did, but he washed their feet. How does our willingness to serve reveal Jesus' presence in our life to this world? When we're willing to serve, how does that make us more like Jesus? I think it, it makes us most like Jesus. He actually instructed us. He instructed us to serve. You know, I, I believe there are times in believers' lives it's best to sit in a pew and be a sponge. You know, sometimes when you get kind of weary or tired or, or, or you feel beat down yourself, sometimes it's best just to be fed. But it's, it always needs to come back to service. You know what that service is. You know that's that's between you and God. You know again, like I said, we've got folks that are now getting ready to serve and worship. And I don't mean to overemphasize this, but this is huge. Even if your acts of service is praying for people, don't minimize that. Praying for people is huge because when we what's what's the story of the of the of the widow and the unjust judge. You know, she kept coming back to him asking for justice and asking for justice and asking for justice. And what was the point of the matter that if even if if an unjust judge will will respond to the persistence of the of, cause of the, calls of, the of, of the widow or the persistence of the cause of the people, how much more quickly does the father who is a good judge, how much more quickly would he want to respond? So if, you, if your ministry is prayer, you are an intricate part of what happens here. You are an intricate part of, of, of the process of, of ministry. So don't ever underestimate your role if that's what you do. You know, and there's lots of different ways to serve, but I don't ever want anybody to think because they may not be able to help in certain ways that they are less important to the church or less important to Christ, because that's not true. Whatever you do, even if it's prayer, that's service. And that's very important. Since Jesus was emphatically clear that he was the only way back to a restored relationship with the Father and the only path to heaven. How do people, even Christians, push back on this exclusive claim of Jesus? There's a, <clears throat> there's a philosophy called universalism, <laughs> getting bigger and bigger you know at one point and I use this example because she's kind of like the ultimate example of this at one point if you would have heard Oprah earlier in, in in her career she talked about God she talked about him in an appropriate way now many many years later you know a couple several years ago she made a statement about there being many paths to God that's universalism that's People believing that there are multiple ways to get to God. Do you, do you believe the church sometimes does that? Do you believe we sometimes believe that? I think some churches do. I'll tell you a group of people that really struggle with this is actually the Jewish people. The Jewish people, the ones that don't accept Christ as Messiah, they 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 don't believe that they have a need for salvation because they believe that it is granted through the Abrahamic promises or covenant. So there were even Messianic Jews. There was one particular Messianic Jewish scholar I I read uh, some writings of his. He believed that Jesus didn't even come for the Jewish people, he came for the Gentiles because the Jews didn't need saved. But that's contrary to what Jesus says. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, he doesn't say Gentiles. No one comes to the Father except through me. So even believers who believe there's any other way to get to God without Jesus, they're in error. That is why we even pray in Jesus' name. When, when, when we pray in Jesus' name, that catches the attention of heaven. That catches the Father's attention. So it is, it is very important to understand that there is there's no there's no way to even have conversation or enter into the presence of the Father without Jesus. It can't be done. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It can't get there without Him. And I don't I don't care if, if you're. If you claim to be a believer, but you're really not, because you know sometimes just because you go to church doesn't really even make you a Christian. You see that a lot. People who 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 believe that they can here's here's the way that a lot of even believers think they believe in a works based salvation. You know, so that's that's kind of a pushback on Jesus. As the way if you're good enough, you can get to heaven. And I've heard that preached at a church. I heard a guy with a doctorate in a Methodist church talk about getting to heaven by his good works. That's not what Jesus said. Paul spoke very extensively about it. You know, if you could do it by works, you know, then we could boast. We can't boast because you can't do it by works. Jesus is the only way. He's the only way to get there. Any other thoughts about that? Hmm. I, I think where some of that confusion comes in is is when James talking about faith without works is dead. you really kind of have to look at what exactly is he saying. It's not, as, it's not quite that simple. The, a natural fruit of salvation in a relationship with Christ is generally the people they want to serve. So if, if you claim to have faith, but there's nothing in you that wants to serve others, is it real faith? I would question that. If you if you claim to have faith in Jesus and there's not been a change in your life or a change in your heart, I would have to question how real the faith is. Because the church is really good. Preachers are really good at, at preaching sermons that will stir the emotions and get people to raise their hands. You, you know, but is that always... Do, I have seen people who almost every Sunday would raise their hand to accept Jesus. You, you know, is 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 there is there something concerning about that? <laughs> there is. But so faith without works being dead, uh, it, it, it's it's. I think James is really questioning here: if you're not serving, is it real faith? Because my my guess is that. Or my theory is that it's, it's, it's really not. You, you know, the, and again, you will go through seasons of, of even where maybe God's calling you to rest and kind of kick back and be a sponge. But without the heart of service, do we really have the heart of God? If we, have hate, if we hate our brother, there's something else addressed in the Bible. If we hate our brother, do we have God's heart? Bible tells us we can't. We, the Bible tells us we cannot love God and hate our brother. These two things don't exist together. Light and dark don't exist together. So I could see where I could see where we, someone could take this passage in James and attach work to the process of salvation. But that's not what he's saying. The, the salvation. Is truly it's it's truly a gift. When we you know Jesus Jesus but the Bible tells us that when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ was dead and raised again, that that and that we believe we have this faith, that's when it says we become saved. It doesn't say and you you know serve collecting offerings, or, or feeding hungry people. You, you know, there's no attachments here. And, and, and actually, some of the Jewish people that Paul addressed, we call them the Judaizers. That's not a name that's in the Bible. It's a name we call them, the Judaizers. Because they were trying to take newly converted Christian people, and they were trying to put them back under the law by making them get circumcised. And then Paul was addressing the fact that, that, that it's a circumcision of the heart. That, that it's not Jesus plus circumcision. It's not Jesus plus works. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus, period. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Jesus Christ. That is, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. There, there is no mediator between... I, I, as a pastor, am not your mediator to God. You know, God may lay things in my heart to discuss up here that, that might be something that he wants you to hear. I am not your mediator to God. Jesus is your only mediator to the Father. I, I can't take that place. I wouldn't want that place. That's some, that's some heavy responsibility right there. You know, being a pastor can be a scary thing you know, being the mediator between the Father and us, that, that's that's a heavy thing. You know, Jesus Jesus he's still working. He's still working for us. We have so much to be thankful for. So much we have so much to be thankful for that we have a Jesus who models the servant leadership not only then, but he still does. Hmm. Absolutely. And actually, I'm addressing, I've been looking for an excuse to wear this shirt, and this is being addressed in the sermon. So you'll, get, you'll get a little cue into this. You'll, you'll get a little foretaste of, of, of part of the sermon. Ex-Jesus, and the way it's written, ex-Jesus over eisegesis, these are Greek words. Exegesis is the, the, the process of drawing the meaning out of the Scripture. It's, it's, the, it's, it's reading the, the Word and, and pulling its meaning out. I see Jesus, and we do this, we do this so often. We, we, we get these presuppositions of things that we believe. And I see Jesus as reading into the Scripture what we want it to say. You know, so we need to be exegetes. We need to draw from the word truth and not try to make the word work for us. You know, so that's kind of a, and that's, that's, that's kind of what happens here is, is that they'll get this preconceived notion that, that, that they have to work. to is, is That it's somehow that they're part of the salvation process other than acceptance and belief. And they'll read into the passage that they now have to work in order to have faith and be saved. And it's achievement based, yes, and it's not hmm. Yes. The funny thing with Catholicism, and I need to preface this with saying that some of the most godly people I've known in my life were were Catholic. You know, so I'm not... The Greens, I knew the Greens when I was a teenager. These folks just talked about their love for Jesus. Whenever I got around them, they talked about Jesus. You know, so don't... But there's... Catholicism is... is does read a lot into the word "not there." Perfect example. I'll throw a few quick ones. This isn't a, this isn't a bashing of Catholicism. This is this is why some of the errors that, that, that this kind of goes on there. What, how they started. The Jesus says, Jesus tells Peter, "I'm going to build my church on on you. You're 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 this Petra." Or this Petros, I'm sorry, a small rock. You're the small rock I'm going to build my church on. So it's it's, it's the Catholic belief that the first pope was Peter because Jesus built the, his church in Peter. So every pope afterwards has been kind of in the line of, of, of where they're almost kind of like the... The the representation of Christ to the church to to the world, but again there is no representation of Christ in the world other than the fact that the church we are the body of Christ and we work for Him and we do what what He wants and we we we, we engage with Him to save the lost. There's not a singular person who who. Um, is a representative of, of the words of Christ. And, and that's why the um, if 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 you were if you are somebody who's very deep into Catholicism, the the words of the Pope are very important. I mean far more important. I could say something up here and you can just brush it off as being, you know, he he's just he doesn't know what he's talking about. You can't do that with the Pope if if you're a Catholic because you are you're in that line from Peter on down, but but that's kind of read into on, upon this rock I build my church. You, you know, the, the idea of the Pope is kind of I Jesus reading into the Scripture, making a position in the church that, that that's not anywhere else in the Bible. The the whole idea of priests having to go to confess the priests. That's carried over from, from, from Judaism. You, you know, before, you know, before Jesus, you had to go to a priest. You know, so that, that was something that was just carried over. However, we 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 see now, we understand as Christ as Messiah that He is the High Priest. He is our mediator. He, we don't have to go to people to confess. The, you, you know all of our sins because we can do that to jesus he is their mediator the 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 whole thing with saints i'm not really sure how that's even I jesus that's kind of a rationale the thing with Mary and the saints uh are, are are it's not even really scriptural at all the the mary especially this kind of originated during medieval times during medieval times the the the, the things were tough. Uh, I, I mean, so the the church believed everyone, but the church believed God was mad at them. <laughs> <laughs> Our life stinks because God's mad at us. Well, if you want to, if if you want to, kind of curb the anger of the King, who's who would be the best person to? Who would be the best person to access or change the the heart of the king? Well, if Mary was the mother of Jesus, wouldn't that kind of like make him, in a rational sense, not not a scriptural sense, she's almost kind of like his wife in a way. You know, if you want if you want to change my mind about something, that's probably one of the best ways to do it. Right there is is to is, is to convince Sue. You, you know, for me to do, to do something or to change something. So, even though so much is being read in the scripture, just like the works, the pope, the, the, the priests, all these different things, it, it's it's kind of a, it, it's it's kind of a sad thing because when we read things into the scripture like that, we're we're missing the power behind. With the scriptures really saying we're we're missing, if if we're wasting our time praying to a dead person as, instead of Jesus, you, you know because God's too busy for the all the little things, you, you know. So was it Saint Francis? It easy, I think he was the animal one, the animal saint. You, you know, if if, if if correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was. But if your dog was sick and you're worried about your dog dying, don't bother God with it. You know, go to St. Francis because St. Francis can, can hook you up. And, 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 you know, and that's, again, that's reading in the scripture because, because God wants you to bring those things to him through Jesus, in the name of Jesus. The Father wants us praying to him about these things because God is very interested in the very intimate details of our lives. He's not interested in just the big things. God wants us. Bring the little things to us, you know. As a father, I'm, I'm, I'm as just as interested in when my kids tell me the little nitty gritty things going on that's going on in their lives as I am the big things, you know. And and being kind of made in the image of God, a lot of sometimes the way we think and feel is 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 kind of a mirrored image of the way God thinks and feels, just except we have, we have the unfortunate reality that we have a sin nature that we deal with that he doesn't. But, but I know from being a father, I am interested in all the little things in life and not just the big things. So You don't have to pray to dead people. Or, and I don't even want to say pray. That's kind of, You don't even have to ask a dead person to do something on your behalf. When you have the Father who's interested in hearing these things, so a lot of what get a lot of, a lot of things in denominations where it gets broken, and I don't care what denomination it is. I don't care if it's Baptist assembly of God, Episcopalian, Catholic. I, I don't care what denomination it is. The errors in the church is, is because too often we know what we, 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 we know what we want to believe and we try to prove it in the word as opposed to letting the word speak to our heart. And that happens oh too often. And again, like I said, I didn't want this to sound like this was a, a, a Catholic bashing, because that's not, I'm just saying, I, I understand how, I understand how this happens. But the Greens, and again, I, I just, I, I thought, I, I think the world, of course, they've gone to be with the Lord I thought the world of the, of the greens, I mean, they, they loved Jesus with everything that was in them. No? Oh, all righty. Anything else before I get to the next question? What time is it? We got time for one more. Let's look at this one. Right before his arrest, Jesus took three of his friends and went to the garden to pray. What do you think we learned about the love and power of God contra- contrasted with the weakness and need of people? You read the account. And the reason I use this particular question because I talked about this last Sunday. When Jesus took his inner circle, his closest friends, off to pray, he's like, J- just, just stand and watch. You know, just hang tight with me. Stand and watch. What did they do? They went to sleep. And he goes back and he finds him sleep. He's like, "Couldn't you even stay awake an hour? You know, couldn't you even? Couldn't you just hang tight with me? Just that, you know, is this?" So he he goes off again. So the contrast between the love and 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 the abilities of people and even in service is this: Jesus never dropped the ball, not once. The Father has never, ever dropped the ball, not once. The Holy Spirit has never, ever dropped the ball, not even once. He's never gone to sleep on you. He's never left you. He's never left you hanging. He may have not given you answers when you wanted answers, when you wanted answers. He may have given you answers you didn't want to hear, but he's never dropped the ball. People always drop the ball, one point or another. They always do. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then the real cool thing, though, afterwards is after the resurrection, what did he do? He restored Peter. Even when we draw the ball, he always restores us. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't say, okay, I've forgiven you 77 times 7 today. You you know, that was your last, that was your last chance. He doesn't say that. (coughs) Oh, Absolutely. He washed the feet of Peter, who was about to deny him. He washed the feet of Judas, who was about to betray him. He washed the feet of all the disciples who were going to scatter, except one. Who was the one that didn't scatter? John. John's the only one that didn't scatter. Everybody else. No, my voice isn't helping much, trust me. But Jesus washed the feet of the people he knew was going to run away, the ones he knew that was going to deny him, and the ones that he knew was going to betray him. But he still did it. That is is kind of the way that that's a contrast between us and God. It's harder for us to serve. Sometimes we may not even want to serve somebody we know who's going to deny us or run or whatever the case may be. But but God still does. Yeah, and we also see that Jesus was the one that was kind of he was kind of condemned from the beginning. He, you know, and that that that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. We uh, yeah, you don't you don't want to have the Calvinist the Calvinist the discussion. We can do it in five minutes, yeah you know? <laughs> no. no there's a difference between us not having a choice and God knowing our choice that we were going to make beforehand and even predicting what that was going to be through the prophets you know could have could have Judas have made, God knew he wasn't going to. Uh, I mean, that's, 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 why, that's, that's why the prophets you know, prophesied about hundreds of years before it happened. He knew. All right, so let's pray, and then we'll get ready for church. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father, I just thank you for this time and this lesson. God, we just thank you for being faithful even when people aren't. We thank you that our salvation isn't dependent on anything that we do other than believe and engage in this relationship with you. God, I ask that we just continue to become more authentic in our faith, grow in our faith. God, I ask that we decrease and that you increase. Holy Spirit, just bend us and shape us so that we can be more and more like Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome.